From SBJ Podcasts, I'm Christine Temple, and this is CEO Roundtable. Each month, we gather around the table with a different group of Springfield business leaders to discuss company operations, workforce, and industry trends. Join us as we get a behind-the-scenes look into our business community from the C-Suite. CEO Roundtable by SBJ Podcasts is presented by Spencer Fain, LLP. We'll be right back. With a team of 30 attorneys and other business professionals, the Spencer Fain Springfield office assists clients on a wide range of legal issues. We provide an unconventional approach to legal services geared toward protecting and advancing business and personal interests. With roots in Missouri, tracing back to 1879, Spencer Fain is now one of the largest 200 law firms in the country. Today, the firm boasts more than 400 lawyers and serves clients nationwide from 22 offices in 12 states. Thank you all so much for joining us for the podcast on sports and business. And we're talking sports complexes and sports tourism in the Springfield region. We'll start by introducing our panelists. I'm Stacey Wells. I'm currently with SGF Sports out at Allison Sports Town, located out by the airport. I came from nine and a half years over at the Fieldhouse Sports Center with basketball and volleyball until the city recently purchased it. Hi, I'm Lance Kettering, Executive Director of the Springfield Sports Commission. I've been in that position since 2010, and prior to that, spent 12 years at Missouri State University in the Athletics Department in Marketing and Development. Hi, I'm John Markey. I am Executive Director at Lake Country Soccer, entering my 10th year here in Springfield. I've been doing the soccer thing for approximately 35 years now. Thank you all so much for joining. Um, We want to start because we're SBJ with the numbers. So let's break that down on the impact of sports tourism on our region and and also the potential with so many new complexes just opening up, such as Sportstown and and others in the works. Anyone can start with this one. But maybe Lance, I'm pointing to most. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to defer to Lance to start off on this well, one. Thank He's you. the number guy. Thank you. Well, uh, in a macro sense, it's a $40 billion industry across the country uh, for sports travel and tourism. Um, Obviously, that includes things as hotels and restaurants and attractions and all those dollars that are spent in your community uh, when there is a sports event in your in your city or region. Mm-hmm. So then what are we seeing with some of the local tournaments that are hosting? And maybe, Stacey, you can speak to this with um, your facility has been quite busy since it's opened. Yes, <laughs> thank goodness. Um, we had... You know, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a collegiate volleyball event that came into the facility and brought in 42 teams from colleges as far as like KU. We had Indiana State University, um, Kansas State University, Mizzou, Arkansas, all bringing in teams and they all stayed in hotels and they all ate at restaurants and activities. And, you know, to piggyback on top of what Lance said, more than just the hotels and And the restaurants, anytime you can bring in sports tourism, you bring in people that maybe have never seen the area that they're traveling to, and they might end up liking it, you know, and they might end up moving here and then, or they have a business that they want to see bring in. So sports tourism goes deeper than any, uh, just the extra tax, the economic development, as far as what that is related to, it brings in so many more um, companies, individuals from outside that just help grow the whole entire region. 
What are you anticipating as your potential economic impact coming from the the Sportstown facility alone? The Springfield Sports Commission had a huddle up group do um, the economic development plan prior to COVID whenever in 2019. We took that same company and they uh, did a study on just the Allison Sportstown and it was $30 million net spend. So that's $30 million in new money that's being spent into the area just from the Allison Sportstown. A good example of of the uh, of this was this past two weekends here in Springfield. We hosted the state basketball championships classes one through three uh, two weekends ago. Class four, five, and six were this past weekend, and then the national Christian homeschool championships brought in three hundred fifty eight teams to Springfield for competition. Uh, conservative numbers put the economic spending at about four point eight million for the national Christian homeschool championships, and about three point one million in economic spending for the state basketball championships in Springfield. So we're kind of looking at, there's a tournament, and again, I'm soccer specific, but uh, our tournament in April, we're trending 125 to 140 teams with 70, right around 70% being from outside the Springfield, Southwest Missouri area. And when you look at that, they average 14 to 16 players per team. So 16 families per team. So you're looking at somewhere around uh each family spending somewhere around $600 when they come in. So you're just over a million dollars in economic impact. That's not counting uh, the the locals. I mean, our other 30% local teams that come and they, they go to convenience store nearby. They add to gas because of gas. They're, they're going out to restaurants as teams because that's what they do. And so it'll bring in well over a million dollars in economic impact. Uh, we try to do three to four tournaments a year that ha- that have that kind of impact. And John, I know I know you've seen it as well as I have that a lot of times these tournaments, these weekend tournaments end up being three and four day ter- events for families just because that's kind of their vacation money. I mean, a lot of times. And so, yeah, they're going, they'll come in on a Friday night and stay till Sunday, but sometimes they'll take an extra day. They'll come in Thursday night instead to pick up an extra day of vacation or, you know, to see the sites and see things to do. And there's lots to do around Southwest Missouri. We compete heavily with like St. Louis and Kansas City for tournaments, and which is the the turf fields that we got we have going in turf fields that uh, Allison Sportstown put in and other markets. But the one thing that is consistent, and I know Lance knows this from his surveys, is when they come to Springfield, they feel like they get treated better uh, because it's just it's homier. I mean, people come here, they feel good about being here. There's other things to do here. They don't have to drive 45 minutes from complex to complex. Uh, and, and so we have an advantage as a, as a city and as an area, region here, that other markets don't have. But we have to take advantage of that. But to do that, the facilities have to be up to par to, to, to really match each other, to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Which points to, of course, your expansion and the indoor fields that you guys are building out. Um, so just kind of on a broader picture, what are some of the facilities or fields or courts, whether the quantity of um, expanding to a sports town or expanding to Lake, Con- Lake Country even further? But what are the, the actual hard facilities that we need to be that like regional sports destination? It seems like we've made huge efforts in that in the past couple of years, but there's still room. I would say the main thing to remember about that and that specifically that question is each destination has to be intentional on where they fit in the sports tourism mix. Um, We don't, as an example, uh, 
we don't have an indoor track facility, so it doesn't make much sense for as a sports commissioner, a CVB, to, to be going after all these indoor track and field championships. So you have to be real intentional on what facilities you have, but then you also have to be aware of what facilities the other destinations uh, in the area might have as well. So uh, certainly flat fields, I think we're in a really good spot. Uh, Betty and Bobby Allison Sports Town with the 12 fields there, four being turf. And then at Lake Country Soccer with the eight turf fields that are coming on board plus the other f- grass fields, uh, that's about 18 to 20 fields, depending on how you we configure those fields. But that puts you at 32 flat fields here in town, and that's, that's a really strong asset to have. But I guess the moral of that story is you got to be real intentional about where you fit in the mix and what sports you go after. I think that's part of the, to, to Lance's point, I think that's part of it is, of course, we're very intentional in that we're soccer specific. Being soccer specific, do we put money into our indoor complex because we host over 200 teams per session during the winter months? Uh, is there other things we can do there to enhance that experience? But the outdoor itself we really look at what we have and how do we enhance it to get more teams coming our direction versus going uh, to Tulsa or or St. Louis or Kansas City. And to me, that's kind of the key is for us, what's our next best thing? And I've been asked, you know, by city council and, and the mayor and people within the community saying, what's the next thing you need to really make it in? Well, the first thing is to get turf fields because that's when I first started here, just over nine years ago, uh, turf fields weren't that big a deal. And so we were, we had a tournament set up to go 225, 230 teams. We were maxed out with the 18 full-size fields we have, and it rained that, that spring. So we were able to host 40 teams utilizing the turf fields around the area. We lost President's Cup that year from Missouri U Soccer because another rain out that weekend. We were able to host 24 of their 80 teams. So suddenly Kansas City, St. Louis, and these bigger markets started popping up with turf fields in our numbers drop. And now we're happy to have 125 to 150 team tournaments uh, where we're at now. So those are the things that we got to solve those and, and kind of bring facilities up to date and then we're ready to move forward and now what do we enhance with things like Lance has talked about an outdoor track or pickleball I know the park's looking at a big pickleball expansion because that's the that's the name of the game right now the expectation is now turf fields whereas before it was a luxury because these tournament directors and owners that bring events to your city they need to be 100% confident that when they come to your city, the event's going to happen because otherwise it puts them in a really bad spot. Same thing with officials. There's official shortages. Those officials want to go to events and and work the events that they know are going to happen and not get washed out with rain as well. So what was a luxury at one time uh, is now an expectation. I mean, that brings up a good point. I just want to, on the official piece of it, St. Louis and Kansas City have had to cancel events or cut them off early because of the lack of officials in soccer anyway. And I know talking to some baseball and football officials, they're having the same issues. I know high school missions having the same issues. Uh, we haven't had those issues yet, but if we were to go over 150 teams, we would start to have the same issues here as well. And it all started with COVID. I mean, a lot of referees just, and officials didn't come back and do it anymore after COVID. Stacy, I know that uh, when we recently spoke with Stan, one of the co-owners at the sports town, um, 
that he mentioned, you know, you guys are really nearing capacity already. Um, are there opportunities to expand at your current location? Are there any conversations around that? There is some extra, um, there is some extra land available. And, but at this point, we're going to hold steady with where we're at. I think most of it, the max capacity is really for an indoor side of things, not necessarily out, outdoor side of things. Since my background came from indoor, it was pretty easy to book that up, you know all the way out into 2025 right now. But um, with the outdoor, we could definitely, there's room for more growth. We're bringing in additional like new programming that hasn't necessarily been done in Springfield, at least not locally that I know of, just to help entice more people to get involved into the sport. Because that's ultimately how we grow it is to get more kids involved and not just sit and you know, pick at the same pool that we've always had. To be fair, you opened four months ago, so we're already asking you about correct, <laughs> expanding correct. it. But. No, I know, but that's, it was the same thing at the field house. Um, when, you know, when we maxed out there, it was like, when are you going to do four more courts? And so it's, at, at some point there has to be the financial return as well. So big events are great, but just like John knows, you have to have the programming through the week to keep everything running smoothly and, you know, uh, pay the bills. What are some of the other facilities regionally that are in the works right now? I know Republic has talked about their sports complex. Yeah, I think if you look at some of the recreational areas around Republic's one of them. I know Ozark has talked about it, uh, Nixa as well. But I think some of their issues may be some landlock where Republic has some land, I think, that was donated for the purpose. But there's a... I don't think they're looking at the same thing we're looking at. I think they're looking at how do we better serve our local community? You know, and Lake Country does that too. I mean, we're looking at, at how do we better serve the local community? We are on park, park property, so uh, that is a big piece of what we do. But we're not tied directly like Republic Parks is, is building those fields because they don't have the facilities they need right now just to take care of. And I'm not talking just soccer now. I'm talking about baseball, soccer, the the programs they already run and they try to do on insufficient uh, facilities, I think. Yeah, Republic as a community has just grown massively, which has made for a lot of just student growth. Uh, Republic has a great community center programming, so they have, they're always maxing out into their rec program. So they definitely need the space and to test what John said, that's pretty much their goal with doing that. So then what about the infrastructure needed to accompany and support the tournaments that you guys are talking about? How are we right now as far as restaurants near your locations, hotels near your locations and availability? What do we need to build out and kind of what does that look like to have those conversations? I know for Sports Town, um, you know, we're bringing on the commercial development, the 27 acres in front, which will have hotels as well as an entertainment center for families and some retail strip malls, maybe another restaurant. But that area, as everybody knows, west of Springfield just needs some help with growth. Mm -hmm. So with the Iron Grain District that Republic's bringing in, that's not too far from us. But then, you know, that takes some of that economic development out of Springfield, per se, and sticks it into a community that's neighboring. So I know that on the west side, Springfield could definitely use some more of everything, you know, hotels, restaurants, that side of things. I know in in our market where we're at near Glenstone and and Chestnut, we're in a good location as far as hotels and restaurants within really five miles going both directions. Uh, We probably max out at needing somewhere around 1,400 to 1,800 hotel beds uh, per night, 
for for a decent sized tournament and they're right there so we ha- we have those the restaurants up and down all the way from battlefield mall really from 60 down to to 44 down the glenstone avenue they're there so i think that's one of the nice things if you go to some of these other markets i know i take teams up to tournaments in kansas city and st louis no matter where we stay it's a 20 to 25 minute drive to the fields no no matter where we stay to find a restaurant where we can fit a whole team to go eat again another 20 25 minutes and really have to research where who will take you because it you're dealing with the population that's already eating at the same restaurant. So yeah, I get calls all the time, like, "Hey, where's the best place to stay?" And I, I'm just anywhere you stay in Springfield, you're gonna it's gonna be ten fifteen minutes to get to the place. I mean, you jump on sixty five to I forty four to James River. It's you're right there. We are blessed with that for sure. I mean, I, I I came from the South and Birmingham for years and years, and we played a lot of tournaments in Atlanta. In Atlanta, it doesn't matter if you were at two field complexes; they could be ten miles apart, but it's forty five minute drive no matter what what you do. We don't have that here in Springfield. Yeah, we have 60-plus hotels in Springfield with about 6,000 rooms. So we're in good position there and uh, around 800 restaurants here in Springfield. So lots of opportunities on that front. So the proximity that you're talking about, Stacy, is just for convenience? I think so. Just more for convenience for families because, you know, that's one thing that they look at when they come in. How easy was it to get in and out of parking? And then how easy was it to go and grab something to eat and on the way out as they're leaving or however that looks? It's a very important variable. I'm also a travel dad for travel baseball, uh, travel hockey. And I can tell you, as a, as a team or a club, what we look at is those hotels that are closest to the main venue you play at um, because you may get that 8 a.m. game and you want you want to sleep as long as you can Uh, and then of course being close to the restaurants and and things of that nature is helpful as well but I would say a big factor for tournament uh, fatality is having those locations close by. Do the commercial side, like those developers and restaurateurs, do they see the value? Oh, in sports most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Uh, Fieldhouse side of things. You know, Fieldhouse was pretty much by itself. There was Price Cutter, St. Elizabeth, and Seton, but Majors Corner came in after that. And then some friends of the owners owned a small restaurant just right around the corner. And they said when the Fieldhouse came in, their business tripled, hmm. like, almost immediately. And, and that's what happens. And most people that are in our world, whether it's the hotels any time of event staffing, whether it's restaurants, hotels, or youth sports, they know what youth tourism does, what sports tourism does to the economy. And so they'll usually follow that area. That's one of the first questions we get when people are signing up for our tournaments. And I know we work with Sports Commission on, I think it's a new website, Lance, fairly new. But uh, it, you, we used to just hand out bags and coupons as they came in now with this web we can post it on our tournament site now and they can look before they get here and plan their team outings and sort of stuff like that before they come in which is a huge deal to these especially these team managers uh if you're a coach like me you don't do any of that you let the team managers and moms handle that because they're much better at it but the reality of it is is they're looking for that before they get here what amenities are there how simple is it going to be to be able to get a team event together What's the cost of the hotels? Uh, you know, St. Louis tournament last year, big tournament going into State Cup, and suddenly hotels went from a typical 130, 140 a night to 187 to 210. And, 
you know, that's a, when you're booking and picking which tournaments to go to, that's one of the first things you look at. You look at, you know, our, how much are our parents going to have to spend to be able to go to this event because it's easily anywhere from $600,000 for a weekend. It's an investment. It is. You both mentioned kind of um, you're focusing on those turf fields um, within this area. So, um, but curious on kind of like the data that you're looking at and how do you determine kind of what are the trends that are coming within your industry that you need to make that next investment in? The turf was a big trend that came, came about. What's kind of next? Probably the next trend that I see from a soccer standpoint um, is a lot of us are trying to figure out how can we turn a two-day, two-and-a-half-day event into a three- or four-day event, both from an economic impact and community support to really growing what we're doing as, as they come here. And there's, there's a lot of events out there available, and there's different ways to, to – plus, if you can go three or four days – uh, you can you can bring more teams in because you need less officials to play less games per day. Uh, St. Louis is running an event coming up, and they're they're going Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's during a school week. It's not like it's holiday week, but they know they'll have 250 to 300 teams in that tournament, so they can run almost all local teams Thursday, and then early Friday, and then Friday night, Saturday, Sunday they'll run the they'll play the teams that are coming in from out of town. Um, just to get more teams in the tournament. Facility-wise, I think the more in the Midwest we can add to the indoor facilities, bigger indoor facilities, that type of thing. There's some some things we've been talking about where, you know, do we take and convert one of our outdoor fields into a large indoor facility that could be utilized by, I mean, you look at the colleges we have here in town and the needs that they have, and a lot of them are landlocked. So can we provide a, a resource that they could utilize? And I think those are some of the things that we're looking towards as a next step. We have a long step to go to finish the project we're on, but uh, but looking down the road, that's another area that we're looking at. Yeah, I think as the weather patterns have changed, definitely. It's, it's not the same in Springfield as it used to be as far as weather goes. And so we the indoor facility definitely is a huge need. And not just for soccer. I mean, that goes across the board for any sports that can do something indoors. We just need the need the space. The rain and the heat. <laughs> Both, yeah. yeah. And lots of rain. Every spring and fall anymore is just a monsoon. And then you turn in, gosh, we had negative four degree temperatures this past winter. You can't really do a whole lot outside with that. Yeah, I think that's what I'm seeing. And, and really only seeing it in some really big markets right now because it's a huge expense. And as Stacy can attest to, People ask me all the time, well, I think we're, we're thinking about doing an indoor field in our in our small town. It's like, well, what are you going to do from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m.? It's, it's empty, but you still have lights. You still have exp- all the same expenses that you got to operate off of. And so a lot of these small markets who try to do that, they're not ready to handle the, those type of expenses. So is there ways to come up with programs that you can do during the day that will Brings in, bring in some revenue during those hours, too. So I think that's kind of the next step. But if you can come up with a, a solution where the colleges can utilize it during the day, those are hours that they usually do things before 5 o'clock at the colleges, a lot of them. So. Yeah, and like John 
can also agree with this. It Sports tourism is a multi-billion dollar industry, but a lot of that money doesn't go back to the facility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, it takes a lot to run a facility. And most of the owners, if you're a private owner in a facility, you know that you're not doing it to make millions. You know, you you go into it because of the heart and because where you, what do you want to provide for the, the area that you're providing to. So how do you make your money then? Are you bringing in some of those diverse type of event options? Yeah. So for instance, we've got a muscle car show. We didn't have anything on a weekend. So we've got a muscle car show that's coming up. We're going to do some grass volleyball tournaments this summer. We're doing, of course, we we're football is an area of interest for Southwest Missouri. It's been a sport that's not been able to be accommodated because of lack of facilities, lack of fields to use, because what we do have is maxed out with soccer. And so there's never been able to grow anymore. We'd love to grow lacrosse. Same thing. Same situation with that. So those are really what we're kind of looking to is just to provide more opportunities in addition to whatever we can help out with the soccer community. The trends I see um, in the the COVID pandemic uh, expediated this, but is more regionalism of events. Uh, More and more folks want to be able to drive to their tournament location as opposed to flying in. Uh, What you see, though, is more people willing to drive further, too. So that's a a trend. Um, The growth of silent sports, meaning like kayaking and golf, um, those have really gained in the most recent years. And as far as sports go, um, pickleball is is the one, um, but certainly archery as well has grown. And uh, BMX, which can be... You know, that's a biking sport. So BMX has grown leaps and bounds in the last three years as well. We just came up with the sports or the sports commission just came up with the esports board as well. So I was in Broken Arrow over the weekend for an event for a tournament and they had a standalone facility that was just esports and you, you go by and it's all windows and there's just a bunch of gamers going on in there. It, it was kind of cool. I was like, hey, we're, we're going to we're we're getting there. The definition of sports has expanded. It has. Yeah. yeah including yeah. a lot more people. I think as I get older, e- athlete is what I want to be. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good at esports, though. Some of the bigger schools actually treat their esports athletes just like their college athletes. There's a training program. There's uh, weights and conditioning. I think it's great because anytime you can provide opportunities for kids to be involved in something, sports as a whole, yeah, great. You get scholarship opportunities. You're involved in something, but you're involved in something that's bigger than you. And so many kids need that for an outlet that that's, that's why, that's why I do what I do. It's, it's not for anything other than just providing an opportunity for kids to find a place that they belong. I know for us, uh, summer's our slowest period, basically from June one through August one, but we book dog shows almost every weekend and they, and they run anywhere from Wednesday to Sunday to Thursday to Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, the problem is, is the, the net profit off that's not high. Uh, you can only charge so much, but they do come in and it's good for us because it'll bring in 20, 30, $40,000 over the summer that we can't get from soccer at that time of year. So, um, so we look to do things like that. We're open to ideas like that. Uh, just because you have to, to, to survive. I mean, you still have staff, you still have operating costs. 
when there's no activities going on at all, and that's what your summer kind of becomes because we live at the Ozarks, and there's nobody here left here to play anything during the, during the summer months. They're at the lake. And, John, what's an update on, on the facility at Lake Country Soccer um, as far as your expansion plans? We are excited. We're um, First off, there's a, there's a major expansion going not just for soccer, but all the baseball, softball fields getting turf during that whole corridor. But uh, our our plans, soccer had already started before COVID hit, before the ARPA money came and everything else. So we were already in, in our first phase. So it's in the architect's hands right now. We know, we now know what it's going to look like. They're doing up all the detailed drawings now so it can be put out to bid to the contractor. Uh, so we're probably looking a few months away from it going to actually going to bid to the contractor. Uh, but it's going to be exciting. The new entrances, uh, we're looking at some of our fields being super fields where you're taking and turfing across two whole fields instead of just one. So now you have a super field with lights just, LED lights on the outside, which enables you to, to do another event. Sports Commission wants to bring in that Frisbee golf or something. You now have a big field that uh, is two full soccer fields together with another 10 yards, 10, 15 yards in between. That is one big turf flat field that could be used for other events. Uh, I'm soccer, so I'm selling soccer. But but the reality is it's going to we'll have three what we call super fields when everything's done. So we're excited about what the look's going to be. It's going to be a new look for that corridor. It's all tied into a master plan for that whole corridor from Killian softball all the way down to our uh, Cooper family complex soccer fields as to getting a new consistent look for all the sports in that, including tennis, which is a, a phenomenal uh, complex now. Of course, pickleball's being looked at there as well from the park standpoint. So um, so there's it's going to be interesting. But but it's on it's on target, and we hope. Right now, we're hoping September 2024 to be full go. And then the Diamond Sports will follow the following year. Is that kind of the plan? Yeah, I think they're, they'll start the process, I think, of uh, bidding out to the architects, engineers somewhere around April, May. You'll see that start to, to – that process will begin – um, it won't slow us down because they're not going to be in conjunction with each other. Uh, but it all, everything runs through the park because they own all the land that we're on. So, at, so that's going to allow all the projects to, to be consistent and give a consistent look throughout the parks. Do you have an update to the estimated cost of that project? We're sitting at, uh, we're budgeted at $10 million. We're probably looking, probably reality, $13 million to do everything we want to do. So we may not upgrade all the restaurants at the family Cooper family park in phase one, because we have adequate uh, restroom facilities there now, uh, things like that. But the, the turf field and the new concessions, um, some new locker rooms on, on field two over there, but then the North fields and the layout and led lighting, those are things that we're looking at that are a must to get us caught up to where we need to be you're talking soccer but what i really like about the project too is is the diamond sports um taking those six uh softball fields at killian and the five uh baseball fields at cooper making them all turf but also then kind of a, a shift in thought that you know that's not just six softball fields here and five baseball fields here it's really a complex of 11 diamonds that then can be used for both sports because you put in the right pegs uh, for the bases. Um, you know, I think in, in the 
in the project we've looked at even maybe being able to have a couple bigger size fields over there too uh right now they're just 12 and under size fields so knock on wood we'll be able to move some things around over there a little bit and have some bigger fields as well yeah the preliminary talks that i've been involved in always always bring up that idea of needing those 13u baseball fields as well I'm not a baseball guy, so I have no idea what that means. But uh, it means bigger fields, <laughs> <laughs> bigger fields. So a soccer field's basically 120 by 80. So I, I know what that is, no matter what. We split that into small ones. So, so um, you know, as these projects come about, um, is there competition between with getting some of these um, tournaments, not just with our you know regional competitors, maybe like Kansas City, St. Louis, but within the Springfield region? What does that kind of look like? How do you communicate with one another in that to bring wins for our community? Stacy and I don't talk. Mm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> the uh, the reality is is. And, and I'm not really talking from Blake Country standpoint. Our complex, if it was just on grass fields, would be fine. But the reality is they want turf fields. So we're going to have to do some collaboration as, as bigger events come in. Uh, Lance and I have talked to a couple tournament operators outside of uh, outside of the market that bring in big events. Our eight turf fields aren't going to hold it. Uh, we can put them, some of them on grass as well, but... To be able to tout there, there's 12 turf fields, and maybe when Republic's on, maybe there's 30 turf fields or 15 turf fields, whatever it is. We have to do it at some point. Uh, any competition really is, is local competition, what you're talking about. You're talking about competition for this, and that's the minor dollars, to be honest with you. The, the big dollars is how do we bring money into the community, and then we all strive. You look at Kansas City, and you've got Olathe Soccer Park, with 12 fields you've got uh shields with 16 turf fields you've got they just built paragon over in lee summit uh they have swill park with six turf fields and they all are full all the time and then they added another 12 out in kansas city kansas so they're obviously a much bigger market but they have the market for it our market's growing our soccer market's growing um and so the need's going to be there what tournament planners are looking for are anchor soccer facilities, and John's mentioned some of them, but that's 16 fields to be considered anchor. Lake Country's case, they have 18, 20, but they're grass. So in a way, it's anchor, but in a way, it's not. Um, Sports Town's got the 12 fields. Eight of those are turf. So, you know, using those two complexes, creating some synergy there with those two organizations. We can bring in some championship-style events, and they've both heard me say this. You know, the best thing we can do in Springfield right now is is find that soccer championship event that needs a home and work together with both facilities to make it happen that they couldn't do by themselves. And, and these two will be heroes, and I'll be a hero for uh, bringing something like that to our community. So. So what does that communication look like? Is that the three of you coming together and trying to find that opportunity and recruiting it? Or does that come out of the Springfield Sports Commission as the head? What does that look like? I think it's all of the above. I think, you know, John and I have gone to lunch and kind of talked about how, what we can do to help um, with soccer in the area as well. And Lance is, and then I'm on the board of commission, sports commission as well. And then Lance has been 
very, you know, talkative about what we need to do and what we can get in here. So I, I think it's a combination of everything involved and working with all of the programs and the organizations that that are in this area and try to bring all them together as well. Because if you start talking to some of the directors of the um, programming, they have contacts everywhere. You know, so helping those contacts just get the word out that we have great locations and great facilities in Springfield. It's just going to help. Then they go to reach out to Lance. And the turf is, is really, it comes back down to the turf in our region, in our weather patterns. Um, that is what they want. So there will be 12 uh, shortly uh, between these two complexes. And that doesn't even count the high schools and, and colleges that we might be able to dip into as well. So how many different facilities are they willing to go to to utilize for a large tournament like that? As few as possible, but um, what is it, 15 miles, 15 minutes away from each other? It's, it's very doable. So- soccer people are used to it because very rarely do you find one complex with enough fields to house 200 teams. Even in Kansas City, the uh, Shields Complex at, on, in, Ol- or in uh, Overland Park, uh, 16 fields, they can handle maybe 150 teams on their fields uh, the, way, the way it's laid out. So, but you have Olathe now 15 minutes away. So uh, they have to utilize more than one complex. So it's, it's not abnormal to have to go to – to go to a really good event, to have to go to one, more than one And location. I think when it comes down to it, it's the experience that the families receive when they get to the place. You know, if both facilities are top-notch or four or five facilities are top-notch and they, they receive you know, great welcomes when they get here and everything that they can do in the city. And I think at the end, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll go back there next year. It's how you lay it out, too. I mean, from a scheduling standpoint, it may be that all the under 12 and younger teams are playing at this complex. All the older teams are playing at this complex. So that you're setting up a situation where for that team and those parents, they're going to the same complex for all their games. So that's just the scheduling. Uh, in, and I know some of the bigger tournaments we've been to, we can utilize the, the hotel booking agencies to get us near where all of our games are going to be played. So depending on what age group, if you manage it right, that's not, that's not going to be an issue at all. Do you have a tournament you're trying to get to come to the Springfield area right now or a dream tournament? I'm trying to get mine growing first. But yes, there's tournament organizers that I talk to all the time. No one wants to say any names. You never want to jinx it. <laughs> That's right. Well, you want, you know, from Missouri, you know, the State Cup Championship is, is the large one uh, that we last hosted in 2013, 200 plus teams capacity was at a, we were maxed out capacity wise and it rained uh and stormed and so what did they do we're going to go to a city with turf and and that's basically um where that stands but this potentially could help us with that um you know one thing i was going to mention uh we were talking about distances from facilities uh as long as the and i'm going to go to my baseball travel baseball dad hat here as long as you're going to a location that you are happy playing at, example, we were in Hattiesburg, Mississippi last year. We we were in Pearl, Mississippi one day, Hattiesburg the next, Mississippi Gulf Coast the next day, but it didn't matter because, you know, we were playing on a nice turf field uh, and it was 
top-notch facilities. So the distance thing, it, it, it just depends on the facilities. Now, if I'm driving 45 minutes to go to a, a dirt skin field for baseball, probably not real thrilled about it, but it's all about the facilities that we have. And in this case, with these two facilities, um, no challenges there at all. They're going to be very happy with, with the fields. Well, case in point, National Homeschool just this past week. I mean, there'd be some of those families I'd be standing there talking to and they had already been to four different locations and it was just Wednesday, you know, so they were getting to experience all of what Springfield had to offer the area in the different courts that they were traveling to. And they weren't, they were good with it. They were, they were great. So, so participation in youth sports um, has finally just climbed back to pre-pandemic levels. Um, there was a study put out, the annual state of play report by the Aspen Institute, and it's actually a bit higher than just before the pandemic. But there's still, you know, some parents that are reporting about 30 percent said that kids had lost interest in, in playing sports. What are you kind of hearing and are you guys working with local school districts or anything along those lines to boost interest in, in these types of sports activities? Who do you have to convinced to be involved it might be the parents i don't know <laughs> yeah i think i think it's a different problem at least in our community than I, that i see it's not i think i think parents from in the southwest here they want their kids doing sports uh and everywhere i see it the only thing i see a lot of is the kids doing too many sports at the same time uh i'm all for kids doing different sports and trying different sports as they're growing up and because they don't know what they're going to attain to as they get older but uh, I'm seeing them do multiple sports the same season because their kid wants to do both. So I haven't seen a drop off. I know from a soccer standpoint, we're growing uh, just with our league getting ready to kick up right now. We've grown, uh, especially at the younger age groups. So um, so I think that's I think that's important to know. I don't know where the 27 percent drop off is coming from or what that report, what it attains to. But I haven't seen it in our market maybe other sports. I think the focus has changed since when we were kids playing sports. I, I, I do see what John's talking about, but it's a small group of the same type of people. I, I think that once you get past the community center programming, your more recreational style, if parents don't go and be involved in a club, if those kids can't be a participant in a club, then they drop, they they're done. They don't have a place to play anymore. And so, cause the, focus the shift has gone so much that you have to be involved in a club to be able to play a sport and so i think the clubs are great if that's what's the right fit for the family but it's not always the right fit for the family financially time consuming skill based however you look at it so i think being able to provide more opportunities to kids that don't fit the criteria that goes to a club then that's going to increase our numbers because I do think numbers are dropping. I think that that's why kids now have less coping skills when they get into school, not only social media, but I think lack of being able to continue playing a sport that they love and being involved in that team aspect has hurt our kids. So that's where I've seen it from a multiple sport situation. Well, I think something to keep an eye on is uh, Generation Z, which is 18 to 25, uh, and that's a particular group that was affected by the, the pandemic and lack of sports, lack of activities. Um, that is a particular group that um, really wasn't much interested in sports uh, as 
uh, two years ago, but the recent studies show that uh, they've made the biggest jump in supporting health and wellness issues and sports in, in their communities. They realize it's important. They realize it's important to host those events in the community. Uh, that'll grow as that group gets older, uh, gets their, their first jobs, buys a house, settles, married, has kids. That'll go up. Um, but it, it is something to keep an eye on is that Generation Z is a little a little bit different than our other um, groups that have come through as far as interest in sports and activities. That's funny that he mentions that because the collegiate volleyball tournament that we had come in, I mean, that was what we called it intramural whenever I was in college. And it was just a bunch of kids that got together and played. But it is now they consider it club sports for college. And so it's that group of kids that have decided, hey, we still want to continue playing. Yeah, we're not getting paid through our college to play, but we still want to do it. And so they've created more opportunities for them to do that. And so, yeah, I think that that just attests to what he said. Does having more uh, tournaments in town kind of level the playing field for more kids to get involved because this is a it's it's costly to be involved in these types of sports where you have to travel i think it's the flip side Oh, okay. So I think you get more kids involved, that helps to bring more tournaments because that just increases the power that your clubs have because they have more of a pull that they can pull from for the, a group of kids that they can pull from by increasing those numbers. So then you have then all of your clubs increase their numbers and then you have more competitive clubs that are getting to help. They go out of town and they beat a couple of teams on the road. Those teams then want to come back here. And get, you know, regain that whatever, it, you know, be able to beat those kids, that team. Yeah, I mean, in reality, tournaments are, are fundraisers, for lack of a better term. Uh, it, they're revenue producers for uh, for facilities. It, it really is. It's revenue producers for the community. It's economic impact. It's how we keep our community, business community support by bringing in and putting people in their restaurants and in their hotels. But the reality of it is is our focus in growth comes from day-to-day operations, the uh, growing the activities that we have, our adult indoor league that we run. You know, we average 50 to 60 teams per session, four to five sessions a year. That covers operating cost. Uh, you look at the youth leagues. Youth leagues are good income, but we keep those costs as minimal as we can to cover referees and facilities because that's more community-based, and that keeps the doors open and keeps things rolling for, for a community. Being not-for-profit, we have that advantage that, that we're not looking to get rich off it, uh, but at the same time, we have to cover our costs and keep building some funds to put back to keep improving the facilities and that kind of stuff. So uh, so tournaments allow that. A, a tournament might net somewhere around sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000. That money goes right back in facilities to, so that we don't have to turn around and charge that money to our local community. So that's tournaments that, that you host at Lake Country Soccer or, or at Allison Sportstown. But to keep in mind, too, is the tournament directors that have these national organizations that bring tournaments to your communities, it's their livelihood. So that's where they make their money, and that's why it goes back to they want to go back to a city that they can draw teams. They'll play games, meaning turf. And they can keep their economies of scale as small as possible, as less fields as possible. So there can, and then a, a ref, referee or officials population base. 
and then also keeping it in as few as locations as possible for logistics. So um, keep that in mind on tournaments. It's those when those events come into town. There's somebody that's running them that their livelihood probably is depending on it. And that's one of the things, as, as Lance knows, any event that comes in, with, no matter what sport I know from soccer, they're going to come in and they're going to check out the facilities. They're going to stay here two, three days. They're going to stay in one of our hotels. They're going to look at proximity restaurants. They're going to look at all those pieces that benefit uh, them as, a, as an entrepreneur. And, and they're not not-for-profit, the ones that run these big tournaments. But they are very valuable, to Stacy's point earlier, is they do have the contacts. Uh, you know, Lake Country also is involved in one of the soccer clubs, and we're tied into a national organization, international, really, Russ Soccer, and that gives us the ability to have contacts that we didn't have before. We're making agreements with uh, Rush out of Memphis, five, four-and-a-half to five-hour drive for them to come up to us, for us and some teams down there. That's a group we haven't been bringing into our tournaments and if we can bring them, we can bring them in from Wichita and some other areas. And so that's going to help us grow for, for the tournament base. That's where the clubs are important is because uh, strong clubs locally means you can have strong relationships with that club or a facility. And they have those connections to the other in their in their world. <laughs> They're going to reciprocate their tournaments. So uh, a team may be going to Memphis for for the events then they're going to come back and put their 10 teams in your event so it's a it's a big it's a big circle <laughs> a family of 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 a sport um whatever sport it is it's a it's a circle of friends and family and cohorts yeah, it's, it's a big circle but it's a very like we always say the soccer world's small uh i run into people no matter where i go within the country and it's people I've known through, met through soccer someplace, and I'm sure bas- basketball, volleyball, baseball, the same way. Uh, it, it becomes a very small circle because everyone has a similar interest. Well, it becomes all you. I was also a traveling sport mom, and it's they're your family. I mean, they become the people you see every weekend at the events and tournaments, and you might grab some dinner together, or you're sitting between games talking to each other and catching up. And yeah, that's that's that becomes your life. Yeah, we were talking over the weekend about the difference between these young adults that have their group of friends, they get married, they have kids, suddenly their group of friends change based on their sports that their kids play. And it really is. I mean, not just their school friends, but their their sports friends because they're going everywhere with them. And then mm-hmm. when it's over, it's like, eh, okay, now what? Yeah. You've got to break up. Exactly. Who do they're I talk gone. to? <laughs> thank you all so much for sharing your insights. Absolutely. Good to be Thanks here. For thank us. you. Um, thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes of CEO Roundtable at sbj.net forward slash CEO Roundtable or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is produced by David Brazil. Photography and design by SBJ's Heather Mosley and Rebecca Green. Special thanks to presenting sponsor Spencer Fain, LLP. I'm Christine Temple, and this is CEO Roundtable.